And Happy New Year. We're going to start a new sermon series today that we're calling Reset. And what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks is looking at five different disciplines, five different spiritual disciplines that we ought to focus on as we, as we start out the new year. This morning, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6. So I encourage you to look at Matthew chapter 6. You can see on the back of the worship guide that the focus for today, the discipline for today that we're going to look at is the discipline of prayer. And, and so we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 6, what we commonly, many of us refer to as the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to use that as sort of a, an example that Jesus has given us of how we ought to pray. Now, we've just come through Christmas, and so at Christmas time, uh, lots of kids got lots of, uh, lots of fun toys, lots of new things. I'll never forget Christmas when I was a child, one Christmas in particular, that we got a Nintendo Entertainment System. Nowadays, they just call it the NES. Back then, everybody just called it the Nintendo. That's all there was. There wasn't a PlayStation or an Xbox or all these things. There were, if you had video games, either you had an old Atari or you had the Nintendo. And so when I was a kid, I remember the, the Christmas when we got a Nintendo, and we were so excited to plug it in and start playing. And our, our favorite game, of course, was Super Mario Brothers. Now, uh, many of you who were children of the 80s, like myself, you were, you were kids in the 80s, you remember that there was a special trick to the NES. There was a special trick to the Nintendo. On the front, you had two buttons. You had the power button and you had a reset button. And every so often, these games would get a little bit weird. They would get a little bit glitchy. And I'll never forget the first time that this was happening and there was a friend from the neighborhood who was over at our house. And he was saying, oh, I know how to fix it. You take it out and you blow on it. So you would take the game out and you would... You would blow on the game and you would stick it back in and pop it in. And I don't know if that really worked or not, right? If blowing on the game actually fixed anything, but it made you feel like you would fix things, right? That you would, uh, even though there was a reset button on the, on the front of that, you, you take it out, blow on it, stick it back in, and you're ready to go, ready, ready to charge back at it and, uh, and take on all the, the bad guys and, and play your games, that sort of thing. You know, in a lot of ways, it feels like we need to take out uh, our lives for after the last year that we've been through and blow things off a little bit and stick it back in and, and, and try to start over, right? We're ready for a fresh start, a new year, a new start, a chance to reset, a chance to maybe start some new things. And I know a lot of us are very hopeful that as we start a new year afresh, that this year won't be like the last year. Uh, and, and in some ways, I'm, I'm really hopeful that it won't be because we've been through a lot and, and people have suffered and been through a lot of hardship and a lot of difficulty in the last year. And I don't want to go back through any of that, just like I'm sure you don't as well. And yet there have been some valuable lessons along the way that we need to think on, that we need to incorporate into our lives. It's, if anything, hopefully you've learned in this last year that the things of this world are, are not permanent, that they are temporary. And you've learned the value of trusting the Lord and walking by faith with him and being surrendered to him and not just trying to, to do everything in your own strength and your own power and your own timing and your own way, but rather listening and, and, and following the leadership of God's Holy Spirit. And so some, some valuable things. And, and in fact, really where we're going the next few weeks is to focus on five spiritual disciplines that I think will serve us well in the new year if we will, if we will make these a part of our life. And so today's discipline is prayer. 
I want to talk about prayer and the value and the importance and the significance of prayer in our lives as believers, as we trust the Lord, and importantly, as we seek to follow him day after day in our lives. And so, of course, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, because in many ways, it's, it's a, a, a great model for us to follow. But it's, it's that, really. It's a model. Some people treat the Lord's Prayer more like uh, a liturgy of sorts. I mean, it's not even the best word, perhaps. Some people treat it almost like, like it's a, uh, a special prayer that wields special power. And so if I'll just pray this prayer, it, it will give me the power to do all that the Lord wants or that he's going to work on my behalf. And that was never really the purpose for the Lord's Prayer. Instead, the Lord's Prayer was meant to be a model that Jesus showed his disciples. And so we have the Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew given in the midst of a sermon that Jesus is preaching. And so as Jesus is preaching this sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount, he says, and here is how you ought to pray. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke records the same prayer, but he, he, he mixes the timeline up just a little bit, which really probably means more than anything else. Some people would say, oh, that means that, that these events are that they're unreliable because they didn't. Matthew gives one time, Luke gives another timeline. No, in actuality, Jesus probably taught the same things over and over, just like any good teacher does, right? Repetition and reinforcing those truths. And so Luke gives us a different instance when the disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, okay, well, when you pray, and then he recites this prayer for them. He's using it as a model for his disciples to follow. And and I want us to see it in that light today as a model, as an example that really will teach us how we ought to pray. Because this is, this is the, the truth. This is kind of the spiritual truth that, that sort of is foundational to everything else that we're going to look at this morning. Is, is that a heart that has been truly moved by the grace of God will show itself in prayer. And when our hearts have been truly moved by the grace of God, it's going to be obvious in the way that we pray. It's going to show up in our desire to pray, to seek the Lord, to to bring the things of our life before him and lay them at his feet, as it were, in prayer. And to say, Lord, I need your direction. I need your wisdom. I need your vision. I need your leadership. And we do all of that as we turn to the Lord in prayer. And so let's look at this model, this example that Jesus has given us to follow in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 5. And when you pray, Jesus says, Not if, understand right, when you pray. We we should pray. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, notice that he's repeated that phrase three times now. This is the third time he said that. When you pray. Again, he's reinforcing this. When you pray, you ought to pray. You ought to make that a discipline, a part of your life. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, where they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he writes, Matthew meaning, he's telling this, Jesus said, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so there's an example, a wonderful, a beautiful example that Jesus gives us here to follow of how we ought to pray. How when we pray, it ought to come from the heart. And it's not just reciting, uh, it's not just reciting the same words. It's not, just, it's not just following a stock generic type of blueprint or formula. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying rather when you pray, follow this example. Let your, let your hearts come forth following this example. So let's look at a, a, a few key lessons that we learn. Again, understanding this, that a heart that is truly moved by the grace of God will show itself in prayer. The first thing that we see is that when we pray, we should pray with humility. We should pray with humility. Jesus says three different times in these first few verses, when you pray, and when you pray, he says, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now, what was a hypocrite? We, we understand what a hypocrite is, right? A, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing but does another. But the word hypocrite is just the Greek word for an actor. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't be like actors. In other words, don't, don't pretend something that isn't true when you pray. Don't act like you have this wonderful, rich relationship with the Lord that isn't really there. Because for one, God's not fooled. God won't be, God won't be tricked. Just because you come before the Lord and like, like a hypocrite, like a person who pretends to be very religious, like a person who outwardly boasts as though they have this wonderful, rich spiritual life. Jesus is saying, rather, come before the Lord with humility. Be humble. Notice the phrases. Notice the phrases. Look at, look at the, the, the prayer itself again if you go to verse 9. Phrases like, hallowed be your name, our, our Father. There's a relationship, there's a connection there. And he's saying, hallowed be your name. In other words, God, your name is great. There's this lowliness when we pray with humility. That we recognize the, the greatness, the, the bigness of God in light of our own weakness. In light of our own smallness, as it were. That we see God's greatness as compared to our, 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 well, our true state, our, our, our finite, our smallness, if, we can, if I can say it that way. So we, with humility, we say, God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, Lord, I need you for my provision. Lord, I need you to provide. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who of trespassing against us. I need your leadership in my life. Lord, lead us not into temptation. I need your deliverance. Lord, deliver us from it. Right? There's this humility that comes with recognizing God's power. And really, think about it. When we pray, we are recognizing God's power. Otherwise, why would we pray in the first place? If we thought that we could do it all on our own, if we thought that we had the power and we had, then why would we pray? We pray because we recognize God's greatness. Or maybe I ought to say it this way. Maybe the reason you don't pray is because you don't fully recognize 
God's greatness. And you don't fully recognize your need. And you don't adequately understand his power as compared to your lack of power. See, when, when we really understand who God is, we really understand the power of this God that we pray to. When we understand his, his immeasurable might, then when we come before him in prayer, we humble ourselves. We make ourselves low. And that's really what humility is, right? Humility, to be humble, is to make ourselves low. In the sense of saying, God, you are great. You be exalted. You be lifted up. Our prayers ought to reflect this kind of humble dependence on the Lord. Not a dependence upon ourselves. No one comes before God and says, oh, Lord, I'm so great. I thank you for making me so awesome. But that's what the hypocrites do, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. They come before the Lord and they, and they put on a show. And the show is all about trying to impress everybody else with how great they are. But that's not the way we ought to pray. We ought to pray with humility. Secondly, when you pray, pray with sincerity. Pray with sincerity. Be sincere in the way that you pray. Have you ever known someone that when they pray, their voice changes, like the tone of their voice, and all of a sudden they start using these words, Our Lord, how great art thou. And they start, you know, you think, who, you don't talk like that. Who does that, right? Well, some people are just conditioned that way. Maybe they were raised in a certain church culture, a certain environment, and they feel like that's how I'm supposed to come to the Lord. I'm not, I'm not meaning to say that everyone who does that is putting on airs, because maybe that's just, maybe that's just the, the example that was set for them. But when we pray, we don't have to come before God, and your, your voice doesn't have to get deeper, and you don't have to stand a little bit straighter, and you don't have to be real proper. God wants us to be sincere. He wants us to be genuine to be real, to be honest. He wants us to come before him humbly, sincerely, and pray and talk to him the way that we would talk to anyone else. That we would be sincere, that we would just lay our hearts there before him. Say, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on inside of me. This is what's in my mind. This is what's in my spirit. Because here's the truth that you, that you know even if sometimes you live in denial. God knows all of those things anyway, doesn't he? God already knows what you're thinking. He knows how you're feeling. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is, nothing is secret for him. And so why do we come before God sometimes and feel like we have to play a game, like we have to put on airs? Even in this example, Jesus is saying to go into your room and shut the door, and pray to the Lord in private. Now, that doesn't mean that you literally have to be in private, or else it would be wrong of us to have corporate prayers and, and pray together in those. Jesus, again, this is an example of how we ought to pray, not, not Jesus uh, dictating that these are the strict terms of prayer. I will only listen when you go in your closet in your room and you shut the door, and they didn't have closets in their rooms like that. It, 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 it's, even that doesn't... doesn't play to the true meaning of what, what Jesus is saying is pray to me like you would if it was just you and I alone. As if no one else were listening and no one else were talking and, and you don't have to pretend to be something or someone that you're not. Just be sincere. Be real with me. That's what Jesus wants. That's what the Lord wants when we pray. He wants us to be real, to be genuine, to be sincere. Sincere with our thoughts, sincere with our feelings, sincere with our desires, sincere with our struggles. God wants us to be sincere when we come before him 
in prayer. But the mistake that so many make is that they, they, they act as though they are something that they aren't or, or, or they have a spiritual depth that they don't. And they think, well, this is how I have to pray. I have to come before God and I have to act a certain way and put on a certain show. And what God wants is he wants all of, he wants the, the, the games to stop. That, that we might have a real, a genuine relationship. Think about it. Would it be possible for you to have real, sincere friendships with people if you never let people see the real you? Would it be possible to have real, sincere relationships with anyone else if you never let that person see the, the real you, the unfiltered you? If, if all you ever did was manage that image and manage that self, first of all, how exhausting, right? To always have to pretend to be something, to always have to, 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 to wear a mask, to always have, you can't have real relationships if you aren't being the real you. What the Lord wants when we come before him in prayer is for us to be sincere. The real us, as it were. And so when he says, go into your room and shut the door and pray in secret, he doesn't literally mean that you have to go in a closet of your house and shut the door. Now, if that helps you avoid distraction, if that helps you to practice the discipline, then do it. Then go in that closet and shut the door. But the point isn't about being in a special room. The the point is about being real and about being genuine before the Lord. And he also says not to heap up empty phrases. Again, that's speaking to sincerity, right? Don't, you don't have to use special words or a special voice or these and thous and, and say the Lord a thousand times, or, right? It's just about being sincere and being real before God. So pray with humility. According to this example that Jesus gives us, we should pray with sincerity. And finally, we see in this example that we should pray with gratitude. That we should pray with gratitude. Give us this day our daily bread. Here is a heart that is grateful, a heart that recognizes that, Lord, I don't need everything. I just want enough for today. Lord, I, I, don't, I, I don't ask you for all the riches in the world. I don't ask you for all. Lord, just get me through today. Lead me through today. Show me your mercy. Show me your grace. Show me your direction. Give me your, give me your leadership. Provide for my needs today. It's, it's a, a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude that says, Lord, whatever you give me is enough. Whatever you have for me, however you lead me, whatever you will for my life, Lord, I trust that it's good and that it's enough. There are a lot of examples in the Bible of People who pray and, and, and aren't grateful, of, of people who are dissatisfied, discontent. One of the most prominent, really, is, is the picture of Israel, the nation of Israel, again and again, through the, the period of the Exodus and the wandering in the wilderness. And we find that God gave them literally bread every day, right? They would wake up in the morning and they would find that the manna had fallen and, and that it was there for them to collect. And it was always enough for that day. It was daily bread. It, was, it wouldn't last for another day. It would spoil after. It was just enough for that day. And it's a picture of God's provision. It's a picture of God's sustenance. And, and yet what we see when we study the story of Israel in the wilderness is that they began to grumble and they began to complain. It wasn't good enough. Oh, it's the same thing every day. 
God gives us this same thing. And why can't we ever have, why don't we have bread every day? Why can't we have meat? Why can't we have something else? And they, it just was never enough, right? We do that when we go to the Lord in prayer. We come before God with all kinds of entitlement and feeling of, Lord, why can't I have what someone else has? Why, why won't you do this? Lord, would you, if you would just give me this, then I wouldn't have it. If you would just give me, this is the life I want, God. And, and we do that a lot, right? We go before God, and it's just entitlement. But the example that Jesus has given us is an example of gratitude, an example that says, Lord, it's enough. The daily bread, whatever you have for me today, it's enough. Lord, give me today my daily bread. And keep me from evil. Help me not fall into the trap of thinking that there's something better, some other way that would satisfy me more than, than what you have for me. Help me not to fall in that trap, Lord, that says that I want something other than your will and your direction and your purpose and your leadership in my life. Give me my daily bread. Lord, give me what I need for today and help me be grateful for it. Help me find contentment in that. Help me to find my joy. Remember, we talked about joy last Sunday. Help me find my joy and what you have for me today, my daily bread. What a, what a rich example for us to follow. When we can pray to the Lord with gratitude. See, a lot of times we think of, we think of gratitude as like an, an attitude, right? It's a, it's a function, it's a response to our circumstance. I'll be grateful when I have a reason to be grateful. But really, gratitude isn't just an attitude. It's a, it's a worldview, it's a, way that, it's, it's a way that we see the world around us. It's, uh, it's a posture of the heart. You can be grateful even when you don't get your way. You can be grateful even when, even when frankly, your heart is broken and, and, and you're suffering and you're going through hardship because gratitude doesn't just have to be an attitude that's tied to our circumstance. Gratitude is a posture of the heart that says, Lord, I recognize that you're good, Whatever you have for me is enough. And so when we pray, we ought to pray with gratitude, with humility, with sincerity, with gratitude. Think about this for a moment. Think about what your prayer life would look like if every day you committed to go before the Lord and spend time with him, quality time with him in prayer, just, just talking to God like you would talk to a friend. Just pouring out your heart to him like you would someone who knew you, someone who, who you were close, who you're intimate with. So imagine what it would be like if, if your conversations with God weren't full of lots of these and thous, but was just a conversation between you and a father that you, that you depended on every day. We pray with humility, with sincerity, with gratitude. Because a heart that is truly moved by the grace of God will show itself in prayer. The last point that I want to make is this. Is that God will reward discipline in your private life in a way that is far beyond, far beyond any, any honor or fame or recognition that you might get for what others see publicly. God honors discipline in our private lives. And prayer is a part of that discipline. If you want to have a close, intimate relationship with God, I promise you it won't come by showing up 
week after week for others to see and, and, and putting on airs. Now, you can do that, and, and certainly I want you to be here. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I want you to be in church. I think you need to be in church to worship with God's people. But what I'm saying is the path toward a genuine relationship with the Lord doesn't need to flow just through 1030 on Sunday mornings. You will never grow to the depths of what you may desire with your relationship with God if you meet with God once a week when we gather in this room. But if you would meet with God every day, and if you would learn what it means, the New Testament writes, that you would pray continuously, if you would learn what it means to to communicate with God all throughout the day, to pray without ceasing, then we begin to find that real path toward fulfillment, satisfaction, closeness with God. God rewards discipline in our private life. So let me ask this question. How are you seeking after the Lord when no one else is looking? What would your, what would your private devotional life say about the depth of your relationship with the Lord? My prayer is that you would be challenged to spend abundantly more time with God in private, away from all the eyes, away from what anyone else might see, so that you would find that richness that comes through a close relationship with Him. And I promise you this, God is there, and He's waiting to meet with you, and He's ready. He's ready to listen, and he, more than that, He's ready to, to pour out His favor and give you direction and give you wisdom and, 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 and shower you with His mercy. You and I have to come before him with humility, with sincerity, with gratitude, and seek him. And if we do, he will be found. I want to close again by reading the words of this prayer that Jesus has given us. Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. May this truly be a model for how we pray, how we seek after the Lord in prayer. Would you join me now in a word of prayer? Lord, we're grateful that you've given us an example to follow. And more than just a more than just words to recite, more than just uh, just sort of a, a religious ritual to keep. What you've done, Lord, is you've given us an example of what it looks like to know you personally, intimately. To understand that real depth in a relationship with you is, comes from pursuing you when no one else is watching. And so, Lord, help us to discipline ourselves to pursue you in private. Help us to discipline ourselves to spend time with you in prayer, away from everyone else, away from what others see, away from what others would ever even know about, frankly, as we just as we pursue you for you, God, not for the praise of others, but we pursue you for the sake of knowing you and walking in intimacy with you. 
We want to pray with humility. We want to pray with sincerity, with gratitude, Lord, for all that you've done, all that you want to do. And so we pray even now, Lord, that you would meet us in this moment. Shine your favor, your light, your grace on us that we might walk by faith with you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. In a moment, we're going to stand to have a time of invitation. And in our time of invitation today, this is what we're inviting you to do. We're inviting you into the deeper waters, as it were. Today, I want to invite you to, wherever you are, to take a step toward the Lord by growing closer to Him, by, by, by committing to spend time with Him, even now in this moment as we sing this song, that you would use this as your moment to go before the Lord in prayer. And not doing it for public show and not doing it for everyone else to see but doing it because what you desire is is a close, intimate relationship with him. The kind of relationship that you would share with your closest of friends, the kind of relationship that you would share with someone that you say, yeah, they really know me, the real me. You would have that kind of relationship with God so that you might go before him and that you might seek him in humility, with sincerity, with a grateful heart, as you say, Lord, I want to know you and I want to experience your power at work in my life. And so when we stand in a moment and we, and we pray together, if, if, you want to, if you want to take that step forward, then I want to encourage you to respond in obedience. That may mean that you come and you kneel here at the altar. God may be stirring your heart to do that. Maybe there is something about that visible, uh, physical step forward that says, I'm, I'm going to act. I'm going to move. I'm going to come to the altar this morning and I'm going to let even that be an act of sincere worship before the Lord of saying, God, I want to submit myself before you. Maybe, maybe the Lord's calling you just to do that where you are. Because for you, taking that step would be more about show than, than about anything between you and the Lord. And so the Lord's just, he's just calling you right where you are just to simply come before him and humble yourself before him in prayer and say, God, I want to know you promise you, if you will seek after him, if you will seek to know him, you will find that he is there and he's ready. He's ready to to speak to you, to spend time with you, to pour out blessing on you, to to meet you in your moment of need. You might experience his power at work in your life. And so let's stand together and as we sing this song of invitation, if God's speaking to you, if he's stirring in your heart, I want to encourage you to respond in obedience to him this morning.